Welcome to the Losing Weight with Fasting and Mindful Eating podcast. I am your host, Monika Banach, an advanced practice nurse and a weight loss coach. I am so grateful for you taking the time to listen to today's episode. My special guest today is Max LaRoque. We dive into some deep topics of mental health and addiction, and I hope you guys find value in this episode. If you do like the content discussed in this episode, please go and leave a review on Apple Podcasts and share it with others so they can benefit from it as well. And as always, the information discussed in this episode is intended as general information only. It's not intended as medical advice. So always consult your healthcare practitioner before making any changes. So just a little bit about Max before we get started. He grew up, he was born in the past Manitoba. His dad was a RCMP officer for 30 years. So they moved around throughout the Canada for most of his childhood till he was about 12 years old when they finally got transferred to Edmonton, Alberta. And that's where he currently resides. He's been a personal trainer for 11 years. He's got variety of certifications including CanFit Pro, PTA Global, Level 1, NC, CP Olympic Lifting. But despite all the certifications, he truly believes that experience, especially when it comes to personal training, is far more important than any sort of certifications you can receive. He also has the cutest puppy, six-month-old puppy named Lucy. You have to check her out on his Instagram. She's just a little ham. Let's get started. Well, hello, Max LaRoque. Welcome to my podcast. I'm super excited to have you here today. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me, Monica. Thank you. So I think we got in touch together on Instagram. I loved your profile about basically being able to coach people with focusing on mental gains as well as physical gains. Like that really spoke to me. And so can you just kind of start off and tell us like, how did you get into coaching and go from there? So I started training when I was pretty young, actually. So I actually got a job as a personal trainer, just a local box gym when I was 20 years old. Mm -hmm. And obviously when you're 20 years old, like you, you just don't have the life experience and everything like that to really truly be able to help as many people as you think you can. So when I was 20 years old, like I was the young guy who came to the gym, pretty fit, pretty active. And I essentially just kicked the living shit out of everyone that I trained. (laughs) And I was under the impression that I was the greatest trainer ever because I could put everyone through such a hard workout, but I didn't really have any sort of background in terms of actually coaching the outside of their life, right? Like in terms of Mm -hmm. the perspective of, everything outside of the gym, right? Like if you're training someone three times a week, that's three hours out of a week where I can't remember how many hours a week, or it's like 160 something. But if you're training someone three hours a week, there's a lot of hours outside of that, that Mm -hmm. they can be doing their body some form of harm. So whether it be their nutrition is poor, their mental health is poor, their stress levels and stress management levels are poor. It all does go full circle. 
Mm-hmm. So it took me a couple of years to not only deal with some of my own issues. So I started seeing a therapist and then working on my own issues and then starting to realize how many people actually struggled with their mental health, right? And how many people masked struggling with their mental health by just dealing with their physical health. And so that was a big one for me because then I started to have some injuries come up. And truthfully, it was because I was just, again, kicking the living shit out of myself mm. because it made me feel good. We do that often. We were like, we'll go for a run to not deal with whatever else is going, which is great. Like, it's great to be able to go work out and kind of like clear your mind. But eventually you do have to acknowledge the mental part of your whatever is going on, whether it's depression or you know, any other issues, sometimes you have to talk to someone like a therapist, you know, I think, I mean, that's amazing that you were able to connect those things and you are helping your clients connect those two things, not just focusing on getting them in shape because yes, you can get them in shape, but then if they don't fix this, they go back to their old ways of being, right? Exactly. Yeah. So I love that. Yeah. And it's a slippery slope too. I mean, even in terms of, there's a lot of research coming out now in terms of how, like how detrimental stress is to you, Mm -hmm. right? In terms of stress is the number one cause of, again, cancer, heart attack, autoimmune disease, right? So again, you can look physically fit on the outside, but if you're not dealing with it inside of you, regardless of how physically fit you are, it's going to come back to bite you in the ass sooner or later. Mm-hmm. And like I said, for me, it was definitely dealing with injuries at that point in time, because then both my shoulders started to go on me. My right knee started to go on me. And again, it was because I was just working out so hard, but not dealing with any of the stresses and issues that I was dealing with. So, so as a personal trainer, your Instagram says your mental gains will equal greater physical gains, right? Yeah. Is that your kind of I'm- call it a slogan? Yeah. Slogan. Yes. Thank you. So how do you, like, can you explain how do you help your clients kind of connect, you know, as a personal trainer, how do you help them connect those two things together, their mental gains and their physical gains? So I do actually have my level one in life coaching. So I think I mentioned that to you in the bio where I did it when I was 25, but truthfully, when I took the course, I didn't get as much as I could have out of it because I was in a position mentally where I still wasn't ready to work on a lot Mm -hmm. of my issues. And so I try to really preach, especially to my younger audience, how important that is from a younger age, because the older you get, the harder it is to not necessarily accept that you have those issues, but the harder it is to really want to work on those issues, right? Like, especially once you start to get busier, if you have a family, if you have kids, you have, if you run a business, whatever it may be, when there's all those those external factors that are keeping you so busy, it's kind of just like, again, sweeping all your issues under the rug it's going to get that much more difficult to truly deal with them. So I try to really get through to my younger audience that the younger you can start working on your mental health, it will lead to much more success as you get older because you'll be your truest version of yourself, right? You'll be your healthiest physical, but you'll also be your healthiest mental. And that is Mm -hmm. huge. If you could be 25 and actually be dealing with your mental health properly, Mm-hmm. you're 10 steps ahead of the game because most people, I train a lot of 40, 50 year olds who, again, part of it is the older generation. They don't, they don't speak about things like my dad, for example, he's 66 and he was an ex RCMP officer. So he dealt with bloodstain pattern analysis. So basically he was the first person on murder scenes throughout mm-hmm. his 25 year career. 
And he's from the generation that's like, well, we don't talk about our shit. Yeah. It's like, you just deal I, with it, right? <laughs> deal with it, right? And it's yeah. like, well, me and my brothers didn't talk about anything. And it's, so the hard part is, again, getting through to that generation, how important it is to really deal yeah. with their shit. There is no specific process with it because truthfully, I mean, it comes down to people wanting to open up about it, right? Like I don't go, I don't go prying by any right. means. A lot of it is you can just get a vibe on how their, how their mood is, yeah. how they're handling things emotionally, right? Like if you're going to work one-on-one directly with someone, mm-hmm. you're spending a lot of hours with that person. And I mean, it only takes so many hours with someone to realize like, mm-hmm. okay, there's some, whether it be anger, depression, whatever it may be right? Like just anxiety, whatever it may be. Everyone has something. So it does take a little bit of time for it to come out. Mm -hmm. So truthfully, in terms of the mental side, I don't really pry too much. Honestly, in the last three months is when I've started really opening up about a lot of my issues via social media and things like that, Mm -hmm. which the point of me opening up is kind of to show that like, we do all have our issues. Like there's, there's no getting around it, especially in a year like this year with COVID and everything, how fucked up the world is like, we're all dealing with shit. So my goal with that is to open up and be as vulnerable and open as possible so that people are more willing to open up to me, right? Because I don't like to go prying for it. I'd rather someone come talk to me about it because truthfully, again, I was at an age when I was younger, like if someone came, if my coach, for example, he coached me for Olympic weightlifting, if he had been prying in my mental health and things like that, when I wasn't in a state where I wanted to talk to it, talk about it, then I wouldn't have opened up. Right. So I try to really, in terms of the mental health side, I try to let people open up to me first and then I'll do a little bit of life coaching and start using my certification that I got years back and things like that. And truthfully, if it's out of my scope, I just refer out, right? Do you actually, do you do online coaching or do you only do coaching in your gym? You said you're part owner of this gym. Do you do any online stuff with people or? I do. So actually as of the first quarantine, because I think we shut down I want to say it was March 15th. We mm-hmm. had to shut down the gym the first time around. And I think we were closed for about two and a half, around two and a half months. And that's kind of when it was like, well, shit, like the way of the future is to be training online, like, mm-hmm. and not trading hours for sessions kind of thing. And so obviously with the gym closing down, like that definitely got exposed big time. So yeah. I actually reached out in September and I hired a business coach to transition to online training. So right now I'd say 80% of my business is in person, 20% online. My goal this year and in the next five years, let's say is to switch that from 80% in person, 20% online to switch that completely and have 20% of my clientele in person be almost specifically just for Olympic weightlifting and then have my online component be for weight loss, strength gain, just sort of more generalized training. That's awesome. I love it. So uh, what type of currently yourself, what type of diet or what type of workout routine do you currently follow? You do a lot of Olympic lifting, what what I've seen on your Instagram. Is that kind of your your thing or anything in particular that you're doing? Right now. So this last year was pretty crazy. So this last year, literally this time last year, like this day last year, I was actually in China for a weightlifting camp. Oh, I did. It's called the Ma Strength Weightlifting Camp. So it's a a two week camp where you're actually living in like the camp with Chinese weightlifters. Mm -hmm. So you're training twice a day, every single day for the two weeks. Wow. So it was extremely intense. My body definitely did not do well with that (laughs) because like it was just such high intensity, such high volume every single day. Part of it was that I had started dating a new girl 
my ex-girlfriend in September leading up to when I left in December. Mm-hmm. And so of course, anyone who's been the new phase of relationship where it's a lot of, a lot of drinking, a lot of not eating well, a lot of just having fun. Right. So I definitely wasn't in the best shape going into that camp, mm-hmm. which is unfortunate because then my body definitely took <laughs> quite a bit of abuse over that camp. So when I came home, beginning of January, I was like, I'm just going to take a month off. Like my body is so beat up right now. I just need a month off. So I took a month off and then that led to two months off, which was then unfortunate because then me and my ex-girlfriend went to Mexico and the day that we got back was the day they announced the self-isolation. So then two months turned into like five months of not (laughs) having access to the gym. Yeah. And again, at that point, you're still relatively new in a relationship. So it was like a lot of drinking, a lot of eating, <laughs> a lot of nothing actually good for my body kind of thing. Yeah. So I ended up putting on close to 35 pounds actually. Wow. Yeah. It was a slippery slope to say the yeah. least. So the last two and a half months has been a lot more, honestly, just like general movement prep type stuff because I did take so long off. One of the things obviously from being in the gym the last 10 years is I know how my body reacts. And I know that like, if I were to jump right back into Olympic weightlifting without doing a lot of prehab and rehab type work, I would just get injured again. Yeah. Last two and a half months has been a lot of that kind of stuff. A lot of more like general kind of bodybuilding movements, just getting my strength back before really getting into any sort of Olympic movements again. Mm -hmm. And I love, and I've seen you share this on Instagram before the obstacles that you have overcome with alcohol and weed. So I would love for you to kind of touch on this and kind of just go into how you're dealing with this. And, you know, I guess the breakup and stuff that was kind of the, the peak of when all this started happening as well, or this is stuff from before. Yeah, this is, it's more so stuff from before actually, because we were together for about a year and a half and, Truthfully, it was a great year and a half, but I was still drinking every single day and still smoking every single day. So there was times, especially I would say from like 24, 24 to 28, 24 to 29 kind of thing was when it was really bad because I was living on my own downtown in Edmonton here. So I had a little one bedroom condo by myself and it's like I would work all day and then I would go home and drink and smoke. And that's (laughs) what I did every single day kind of thing. So I mentioned that I have a lot of anger slash resentment issues from when I was a younger kid. So one of the things with my dad being an RCMP officer was that we transferred literally every year to two years. So the longest I'd ever actually lived anywhere was before I moved to Edmonton. I was in Ottawa for three years and that was the longest I've ever lived somewhere before Edmonton. Like it was like we were there for 11 months. Then we got transferred to butt fuck nowhere, like Northwest territories we were there for a year and a half. Then we got transferred to Manitoba. Then we got transferred to BC. Then we got transferred here. So there was definitely some resentment towards my dad growing up because, and it's tough because again, I'm dealing with my therapist right now with this, but it's tough because he was doing it in the best interest for the family because he wanted to move up in his ranking as fast as he could mm-hmm. without really thinking of kind of what that does to your mm-hmm. kids and your family when you're literally constantly moving. So you yeah. can never make really good friends because it's like, well, probably going to move in like a year. So it's hard. Yeah. It's tough. Yeah. So I get a little ranty sometimes. And I'll, so yeah, so I basically use marijuana and booze to cope with a lot of my issues. And so one of the things one of my therapists told me was pretty cool was that like, especially with weed, it's tough because it's legal now too. 
a lot of people don't think of it as that addictive of a substance or that bad of a substance, right? And it's the yeah. same as booze, right? Booze is legal, so it can't be that yeah. bad for you. Absolutely. Well, that's bullshit because it's one of the most addictive things you can get. 100%. Yourself, right? And so she put a good spin on it where with weed, you essentially don't learn how to process any of your emotions because mm-hmm. you smoke when you're happy, you smoke when you're sad, you smoke when you're mad, you smoke when you're stressed, you smoke when you're you when you're when you're that much of a stoner, you find any fucking reason and any excuse to smoke weed. Mm-hmm. So you truly don't learn how to process any of your emotions. Wow. And so basically the last 12 years straight, I have not processed a single one of my emotions. So to me, like when we ended the relationship, to me, it kind of felt like rock bottom, especially with the fact that I had finally felt comfortable with someone to open up about my struggles and my issues mm-hmm. to then have it blow up in my face, like really fucking hurt, obviously. Yeah. So to me, that felt like rock bottom. And that's what to me was like the final straw of like, fuck this. Like I'm done. Like I need to make a change. Like I'm 30 years old now. Do I want to be 40 years old in 10 years and not be able to stop because I've been smoking for 20 some years and drinking for 20 some years. And then at that point starting to have all the health issues arise. Right. Yeah. My mom has Crohn's. So she has an autoimmune disease. And it's like one of those ones where I was holding so much anger and resentment inside of me and stress because I was living this very like sort of quote unquote perfect life to my clients. Right. Like I was fit. I dressed nicely. I have nice haircut. So I lived this very, perfect kind of picturesque life, right? Like I yeah. drove the nice car, I drove this, I drove that, I was fit. And it was starting to eat away at me that I just never really truly felt like myself. And so to me, when the breakup happened, it was kind of like rock bottom and it was just like, I need to make a change. Obviously I mentioned too in the bio that we had gotten Lucy as a couple. So Lucy is now six months old. She yeah, is tell my- us about Lu- That was my next question. I was waiting <laughs> for it. But since you mentioned Lucy, is she there? She's asleep on the bed right now. (laughs) So we got her four months ago. And so she's six months old now. She's a Fox red Labrador retriever. So a lot of times you'll see like a golden lab or a black lab. So her, she's a Fox red lab. So she's got the very distinct kind of red gingery color to her. So funny story with her is like, again, she is like my, she's definitely been a large catalyst in me wanting to get sober and wanting to just give her a better life. So it was actually ready to start a quarantine, the original quarantine when it was like, fuck, we need something to do. Like we should get a puppy kind of thing. So my sister had actually gotten her puppy six years ago from the same breeder. And I've always been a huge dog person. Like if you have gone through my Instagram, you've seen lots of dog pictures. So I knew six years ago when I read met Rosie, who's my sister's puppy. I was like, that's the dog I want. Like we were technically supposed to get a puppy in June. Yeah. In June, 10 days before the litter was supposed to be born, the mom got a really bad infection and in somewhere in her uterus kind of thing. And so of the 10 puppies, eight of them actually died. Oh my gosh. That's awful. Then because of that, we ended up getting pushed back to the next litter, Mm -hmm. which is why it's like, to me, she's like my miracle puppy because technically I wasn't meant to get her. Like I was meant to get a puppy in the previous litter. And so we had to wait an extra, I think it was three months. And then we ended up getting her August 12th. And like, again, you'll see on my Instagram, but she is a fucking needle <laughs> of a dog. She comes to the gym with me every single day. Oh, she's only six you. months old. And she is the most calm, cool. Like I'm actually thinking I'm going to register to be a therapy dog because she's yes. just the temperament of her is just so... She's just so calm for a six-month-old puppy. 
obviously she has her crazy moments, but like, as soon as you put her harness on her, it's like, she knows it's like, she's a service yeah. dog. Like it honestly is like, she has to go to work and she's just got to be like, okay, I, awesome. I'm down, just be chill, like just sleep. So she literally sits by the platform. I have a big bed for her that sits beside the platform. She just hangs out at the gym all day. Oh, I love it. Yeah. She's beautiful. And she's getting so big too. She's six months old and she's 55 pounds already. So wow. yeah, she's going to be huge. Yes. Yeah. The dad was 80 and the mom was 73. So wow. my guess is that she'll be somewhere between like 75 and 80 pounds kind of thing when she is full grown. But yeah, no, she's definitely like my, my savior <laughs> at this. Like, cause again, at this point now, it's just like, even the times where you, I'm actually on day 18 of like no alcohol, no weed, no anything kind of thing. Did you quit like cold turkey or like, cold so it was a big part of your, I got to stop this and get my shit together. Right. I cannot keep going like this. And so you stop cold turkey completely, both cold weed turkey. and alcohol. Same, same day. So it was yeah. the first 10 days was absolutely fucking miserable to be honest. Like I didn't sleep, didn't eat. I lost like, 12 pounds in the 10 days. because I legitimately was not eating because again, I've smoked for so long. It's like, well, if you smoke every day, you don't, yeah. you don't smoke after you eat. You obviously, if anyone smoked weed before you obviously would smoke <laughs> weed before you eat, right? Like <laughs> let's be real here. So when you've done it for over a decade, your appetite is completely reliant on it. And so again, I wasn't sleeping because my body was reliant on it for sleep. I wasn't eating. Yeah, it was fucking shitty to be honest. There's no real <laughs> nice way of putting it. Like it sucks. But a big thing that I've been learning with addiction and my counsel that I'm working with is you have to want to do it. Like yes, hundred percent. Even in terms of your earlier question of the mental health, like I don't pry because if someone doesn't want to quit something, they're not going to. And I mean, yeah. I'm a prime you have example. To be you have to be ready. You have to hit your whatever rock bottom or whatever it is for you to be ready to transform. Yeah. Exactly. Otherwise, I mean, it's useless. I mean, people get forced to go into rehab all the time. And as soon as they get out, they go back into the rock bottoms again and drinking or drugs, whatever. Exactly. Did you do anything specific during those first 10 days to kind of help make it easier? I mean, or did you just deal with the symptoms? Like you, you just no, knew I'm going to have to detox and just straight up dealt with it. Like yeah. at night I was maybe like maybe getting two hours of sleep if that kind of thing. So that was huge because again, like you're trying to deal with again, all these emotions that are coming through, but you're not sleeping. And again, you're not eating. So like the two hours of sleep that I would get, it's like you'd wake up and you're soaked. Like you're just soaked in sweat kind of thing because your your body's trying to get all this shit out of you. Right. Yeah. And so that was one thing was that my counselor was saying like, don't take like sleeping drugs or anything like that just to make it better because then you're not truly detoxing yourself. Like you're just going to end up becoming a little bit more reliant on something else at that point. Mm -hmm. So he was, she was like, as best as you can, like suck it up. And I mean, again, you have to want to do that, right? Because you hit a point where it's like, I did this to myself. Like I was the one smoking the weed every day and drinking every day. Like no one did this to me. It was me doing it to myself. I mean, even five years ago, I was working with a therapist and he wanted me to stop smoking weed, but I wasn't mentally at a point where I wanted to, right? Like I had not ready. Yeah. I hadn't hit that rock bottom. So I was like, well, why am I going to stop smoking weed? That's the only thing that kind of makes me happy. Hey. And I love that you open up about this because I think it make, it helps you be more accountable. It helps your clients and people that you coach. It helps them trust you 
and hopefully open up more to you because you have shared your own personal journey with this. A lot of times, I think that's the first step to acknowledging our own issues, our mental issues, or our addiction issues is by sitting up and saying, I have, that's my issue and sharing it, you know? That was my big reason for doing it too, was to spread the awareness around it where, again, even though I might look a certain way, like we all have our underlying issues. And like I mentioned earlier, it's tough for the weed because it's legal now in Canada, especially too, where it's like, well, it's not that bad. And it's like, well, if you can't do basic daily things like sleep Mm -hmm. and eat and socialize and things like that, it is pretty fucking bad. Like I'll have addictions, whether it be again, gambling, sex, coffee, food, sugar. Absolutely. we all deal with addictions. It's sort of just what end of the spectrum is it on, right? And I know this is one thing that I had gotten brought up with my ex-girlfriend. It was like, just because you're, okay, so that's like saying if there's a spectrum, there's a one and a 10, mm-hmm. you're basically making it sound like unless you're a 10 out of 10, you shouldn't talk about your issues. And that's complete bullshit because yeah. if you are a five and you don't talk about your issues over the years, you're going to become a 10. Mm-hmm. And it's the same with anxiety, depression, PTSD, mm-hmm. eating disorders. It's the same thing. If you're telling someone who, it's not a fucking competition, right? Just because my anxiety is a three out of 10, but yours is an eight out of 10, and you're trying to tell me that I shouldn't talk about my issues because yours are worse. Mm-hmm. Like, that's I love that. That's, that is such a good point. It's like catching things before they get so bad. And, you know, I deal with this all the time, eating addictions. I coach clients as well, weight loss and stuff. And I've noticed, I mean, obviously, you know that mental aspect of weight loss, it's 99%, if not 100. Like if you can't fix that. So I started kind of changing the way I do things and focusing on the mental aspect. When I started losing weight, because I lost about 57 pounds, 60 pounds during quarantine. And I started by changing the way I look at my body. I started actually, instead of looking in the mirror and being like, oh my gosh, I'm so fat. You know, I would look at myself and be like, you know what? I'm beautiful. I envision myself looking a certain way and just loving yourself, you know, just not beating yourself up every time you look in the mirror. And I think that was a huge transformational thing for me as well. Self-talk is huge. Yes. Visualization, self-talk, self-love, and just forgiveness. Actually, I read Eckhart Tolle's book, The Power of Now, a couple mm-hmm. years back. And that, that was book. one of the books that like, really started to make me think differently too. Yeah. And a lot of it was like, just like, you can't change six years ago. You can't change yeah. the person you dated. You can't change anything. about. You can't change your parents. You can't change your life. Like, You can only deal with the present moment now. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And again, it's one of those ones where we're not grateful for it until we're sick or something like that too, right? And how many people are, again, they take their body for granted and then all of a sudden they get injured. Three things you wish you had known sooner. Just anything related to relationships, you know, health, any lessons that you can kind of share with people. From a relationship standpoint, you can't change somebody. That's a huge one. And a lot of that actually is like why my last two relationships ended. (laughs) So the one who was the bikini competitor, right? She had essentially opened up to me about her eating disorder. And so I wanted to help her slash get help with her. But of course she wasn't ready to. So then I kept pushing and then she pushed back and that's how our relationship ended. Mm. Very similar to my last relationship. She hadn't quite dealt with a lot of her past trauma and 
I was in the point where like, again, I want to get sober. I want to get happy. I want to work on my mental health. So one would be definitely you cannot change people. And if another one too, but I guess if you don't love yourself, you're not going to be able to love somebody else and no one else loving you is going to make you actually love yourself. Like you have to deep down love yourself to be in a healthy relationship because if your happiness is reliant on somebody else loving you, that shit's going to blow up and it's not going to last forever. So I agree hundred percent. I love this. Yes. I figured that out myself not too long ago. (laughs) Yeah. It's a big factor. And that was, again, for me, like I had a lot of self-confidence issues growing up. So for me, it was always like, I just want that girlfriend to, to love me so I can love myself too. And love that. in terms of the gym, learning like from the edu- education standpoint, doing things right is huge. Not just doing it because again, you saw something on Instagram or something on YouTube that looked challenging and difficult. Like learn the reason why you're doing it because mm-hmm. that's a really, really important factor. And what else would I want to preach? I mean, obviously the mental side too, like if I could go back 12 years and start working with a therapist when I was 18, I can guarantee you right now I would be in a much, 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 much different position today than I am in. Right. Even in terms of the body dysmorphia, like you were talking about where when I was 21, 22, 23, I was like, I had what I call little man syndrome. Like I'm only five foot seven, not a huge dude by any means, but I used to think that I was small. Like I never looked at myself like I was Mm -hmm. fit. And I look back now that I'm 30 and see pictures when I'm 22. And I was like, holy fuck, I was jacked. Like, I would literally love to have the fucking shoulders that I had when I was 22 now, right? And it's like, I look at myself now and I'm like, damn, I'm in pretty good shape. But it's like, fuck that. Like, I was back yeah. eight years ago, I was jacked. And I used to think that I was small. Like, I used to think that no one would have ever even noticed that I worked out. And it's like, wow, that's crazy what your brain does because, like, I would have noticed myself if I walked in a room. I was fucking jacked. <laughs> I feel like we all have some form of body dysmorphia, I think. Most and of social us. media does not help that. No, it doesn't. Because the comparison, I just did a podcast on the whole comparison. Like, you know, there's a healthy comparison and there's just unhealthy comparison. So going back to your gym. So you're right now you're doing like a Instagram daily workouts at 10 a.m., right? And you do yeah, it at, at home. Yeah, every 10 a.m. or 10 a.m. every single day for the entire lockdown, whether it be four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks, I'm doing it every single day. Part of that is just obviously to keep people engaged and keep people moving. I know personally in the first quarantine we did, I was FaceTiming a lot of my clients and Zooming a lot of my clients. But yeah, so obviously that's been a big part of just, again, keeping people as kind of active and healthy and happy as possible right now. I am sort of touching on mental health things here and there. Nothing, again, too specific right now. Obviously, if someone reaches out and wants to talk about something specific, I'll reach out to that. So with the new year coming up, do you believe in your resolutions? Do you have any big goals coming up for next year or the next five years? Like Physically or more like in terms of personally, business-wise? Or anything, or- yeah. Any, just life, personally, physically, business. <laughs> Physically, I'm not just purely because I've been in the industry for so long. Like I find literally 9.5 out of 10 people who want to make New Year's resolutions in terms of weight loss or whatever it may be, don't stick to it. And it's more yeah. or less just like a, oh, fuck, it. I'll start it next year kind of thing and it'll be yeah. fine. Like, again, it goes back to the addiction side of things where it's like you actually have to want to do it yeah. just because it's January 1st. It's just a fuck another day. Like yeah. what's really what's the difference of you starting December 15th? 
where you start in January 1st. Yes. Like there's, there's no difference in it. I agree. So I don't believe in fitness resolutions with January 1st, even in terms of myself from a business standpoint, like the nice part, I mean, I'm trying to take this four week lockdown in stride as much as I can. And for me, it's like, well, the gym's closed. So I've wanted to focus on my online business for the last four to six months here. Like you're at home for four weeks straight, like fucking work on your business. Like try to expand your network as big as possible. Try and get as many online clients, get as much traction as possible kind of thing. So I'm actually going on those Instagram lives. I'm also doing Facebook lives at the exact same time. So eventually I'd like to end up using those as well on YouTube and sort of growing a following on YouTube and just having it so that people can access these videos and again, have them be very informal as opposed to just like, and I said this, like anyone can make someone do a hard workout. Like a hard workout is not easy to program or not hard to program. Sorry. Like if I make you do a hundred jump squats, it's like, yeah, no yeah. shit. Legs are going to be sore, <laughs> but it's sort of like the why, like yeah. why are you doing a hundred jump squats? Right? Like if you can't even squat properly, why wouldn't we break that down and get you to squat properly before just making you fucking jump up and down a hundred times? Right? Like, any yeah. and as far as any influencer and in work any, smarter, not harder, right? right? Yeah. Any influencer, social media person can make a hard workout up. And realistically, they probably just stole the workout from somebody else and repost it <laughs> as if they're So like that's not really specific to anyone or anything. It's mm-hmm. sort of the reason like, why are you doing this, right? And breaking things down like that. So I guess my biggest thing, I guess the next five years would just be building as much of an online following as possible, whether it be through Instagram, Facebook. So I would like to actually get a podcast going of some sort. And again, I don't know if I want it to be more, part of me wants to get, not necessarily more sober. That's not really the right way of putting it, but almost six months down the road from now when I can say like, yeah, I haven't touched a substance in six months. Like I almost feel like I'd have a bit more credibility in that sense. Like if I was to come on and talk about addictions and like that and things like that, where it's like, I wouldn't even think of myself as that credible where if I started an addiction podcast right now and it's like, dude, you haven't smoked weed for three weeks. Like, Like, I think that would be amazing. Actually, you could name it mental gains, eco physical gains, and just kind of touch on both include some workouts or like educational stuff when it comes to like training and then mental health and addiction. I think that would be an amazing platform to kind of combine those two together. Exactly. And just like you said, put everything together into one, one place kind of thing. I love that. I think that's a great idea. For sure, yeah. you should. That's definitely in sort of, we'll call it the works within the next uh, six months. Yeah. So just kind of talking about this made me bring up another question. So with addictions, like even alcohol, you know, I'm sure you have friends that have known you, you drink with them, you smoke weed with them. How do you deal with the social stuff when it comes to addiction? Like telling people, like, no, I don't drink. No, thanks. Because that is a very challenging thing. Alcohol is everywhere. Holidays, like people drink more than ever now. And, you know, during quarantine, I did the same thing. In March, I was drinking so much and I gained like 10, 10 more pounds. And finally, I was like, no more drinking. I did not drink for, I think, seven months during quarantine because I did not want to use alcohol as a stress reliever because I know it would bring me probably even more down instead of dealing with my emotions and anxiety or weight loss. So I drank a little bit recently, but I haven't drank in a long time. So how do you deal? Like, what do you tell people? What advice would you tell people that want to quit weed or alcohol, drugs or whatever else? 
because I find it very, very challenging with the social pressure. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's part of even right now, like kind of, I mean, that's almost the one benefit of, I guess, Christmas being canceled this year. It's like, well, <laughs> I'm not going to get my, like my parents, I was drinking. I have two older sisters, both of which drink, not alcoholics by any means, but both of which drink. My dad drinks, my mom drinks. So it's, it is tough. I know the first weekend that I had stopped drinking originally, I had come to a friend's house for a birthday party. And it's like the social pressure of it is like, we're all doing tequila shots. And it's just like, you just have to like, as hard as it is, you just have to say no. Like some people will get it. And truthfully, if the person that's trying to push it on you isn't willing to just listen to you to say like, oh, okay. Like just to respect the boundary of it. Cause a lot of it is just setting the boundary, right? Like mm-hmm. if I say I'm not fucking drinking, like don't push it on me. And if you're going to be the kind of person that tries to push it on me, well, I'm just not going to hang out with you. Like, you know what? It sucks. And truthfully, you might lose a relationship out of it. Yeah, I did. You might lose friends out of it. I have. But I mean, it comes down to your overall happiness, right? Like mm-hmm. if you actually want to quit, yeah. then do you really want to be around those friends that are pushing it on you? And I get obviously family is a bit trickier with that because they're your family. You can't not yeah. be around them. But a big thing is setting the boundary, right? Like if I tell you I'm not drinking, don't push it on me. And if you try to push it on me, then I'll leave. Like, it's as simple as that. Do you want me over for Christmas or not? Because if you're going to be forcing me into a situation that makes me uncomfortable and makes me want to drink, or again, pushes me to drink, then I'm just not going to go. And And usually those people that are pushing things on you are ones that maybe are dealing with issues because they feel uncomfortable drinking by themselves or same thing with food. People that push food on you, have the cookie, you know, no, no, thanks. No, no, thank you. How many times do I have to tell you, I don't want to eat crap. So stop pushing crap on me. Exactly. Sometimes you, you can start off being like, no, thank you. But if they keep pushing, you might just have to put your foot down and be like, listen, no, like stop, like respect my boundaries. And if you don't, then I'm not going to hang out with you. That's just how it is. And it's, it's the reality of it is like you surround yourself with the five people or you, you'll become what you surround yourself with. Yeah. Right. So I mean, if you're hanging out with five friends and every single one of them is drinking and you're with them every single day, mm. you're probably going to drink. So it's like, again, how badly do you want to not drink? Because if you truly don't want to drink, you likely won't surround yourself with those people anymore. And yeah. again, it's kind of a harsh reality of life is like, you're going to lose a lot. You're going to gain a lot of friends and you're going to lose a lot of friends mm-hmm. and it's sort of picking and choosing. Like does me being the, like for me growing up was always like, because I moved so often, it was like, I wanted to be the popular kid and I want to be liked by everybody. Yeah. And it's a harsh reality, especially once you start putting yourself online. Like, even if you're trying to make, you're trying to make like a difference in people's life, people are going to hate you for it. And it's just like, all that's doing, they're just projecting their own self-hatred and their own issues onto you, right? Mm -hmm. Because they're not comfortable enough in their own skin to truly deal with their own shit. So then they might make fun of you or say like, oh, whatever, drug addict, whatever. They want to try to put you in a position like you may be something. And it's just like, well, that's okay. That sucks for you. And exactly like you said, like a lot of those people that are pushing that mm-hmm. are struggling with their own issues and they just aren't in a position where they're capable of dealing with it or they just don't want to deal with it. Yeah. Right. And that's what about, hard um, reality for a lot of people. Yeah, I agree. And it's it's kind not of a sprint. It's a marathon. You, you, exactly. go, you start off slowly, you do it daily, small, consistent actions that take you there. Otherwise, I mean, there's just no shortcuts. I don't think there isn't. And even, even if you're willing to do steroids or something like that, it's like, okay, that's still not going to fix yeah. a lot of the issues, right? Like you're just now becoming dependent on something 
to make you feel better or make you stronger, whatever it may be. And that's why when it comes to the resolutions, like I don't believe them at all because it's yeah. like, okay, so what? You're going to binge eat and drink all December long. And then just, you're just going to fucking flip a switch on January 1st and you're going to eat chicken broccoli every day. Like <laughs> give me a fucking break. That's not how it works. Like, and that's what I tell my clients. I'm like, okay, do like a little bitty actions this, this month before we go into January, you know, when we do a challenge, whatever, because you know, usually people just go into that all or nothing attitude, like I'm going to do it all or fuck it attitude. Yep. And it just, do, it doesn't work. You know, in January, January 1st, you feel so terrible because you've gained so much weight over the holidays and you haven't done anything all month. Like even if it's just a walk, even if it's like a 15 minute walk, just do it. You don't have to wait till Monday or January to change all those things in your life. Yeah. Another is, thing, I can't think of it exactly, but it's small habits lead to big changes or something along those lines, right? Where, yeah, small habits lead to big changes. Yes. Small. Yes. Yeah. I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of my clients, a lot of their issues are, you know, they're overweight and eating issues. Like any advice from your standpoint, obviously, you know, part of the reason that I wanted you on this podcast is because a lot of it is mental, like yeah. eating is an addiction. You know, you eat to comfort whatever it is that's going on in your life. Like, I don't know a single person that's happy with everything in their life and they're morbidly obese because they're eating everything in sight. You're eating because you're hiding something, your emotions, or you're not dealing with things. What are your thoughts on that and advice (laughs) that you have for people? Yeah, that's a tough one too, especially with like the body positivity side of things these days where it's like if someone's extremely overweight and obese like they can claim they're happy but it's like how happy are you really like no offense but no one who's 300 plus pounds is that comfortable in their own skin and even if you're comfortable in your own skin okay if you're comfortable in your own skin that's one thing but what else are you unhappy about what do you what else are you depressed about anxious about what is the real reason why you want to eat that garbage food every day? Like, Mm -hmm. and that's a tough one because I know I'll probably get some hate for that too, where it's like, (laughs) I don't believe in that. Like truthfully, again, if you're overweight, like you're probably not that happy with yourself. Mm -hmm. No, I, I agree with you. I mean, I speak from experience, you know, when I was over 200 pounds, you know, like, no, I wasn't happy. And maybe I was pretending like, yeah, everything's fine in my life. But I know when I was behind closed doors, I wasn't happy. I was sitting on the couch eating because I was stressed. And maybe I was in denial about what I was stressed about. So I do agree. I see a lot of this body positivity on Instagram. And I am totally okay with loving yourself. You should love yourself. But you shouldn't be portraying out there to people that it is okay to be, you know, 400 pounds. And, you know, if you're loving yourself and you're working towards losing that weight, that's great. I love that because being 400 pounds is not healthy. No. And that's, I was just going to actually say like loving yourself is one thing. Yes. There's also a difference from loving yourself and being healthy. Like the fucking stone cold reality of it. If you're five foot seven Mm -hmm. and you're 325 pounds, like I don't give a fuck who you are. You're not healthy. Yeah. Like again, sure. You might claim you're happy, but you're not healthy. Like, Oh my gosh, Lucy is giving you kisses. Oh my goodness. Oh, 
Oh my gosh. Yeah, I'm no so worries. jealous right now. My heart, my heart is hurting right now. <laughs> that is so amazing. Hi, Lucy. Hi, Lucy. Hi. Oh my gosh. He knows her name already. He's so big. Wow. <laughs> I love it. I love the kisses. That's awesome. Yeah, she's definitely, since the breakups happened with her coming to the gym every day, she's quite, yeah. quite attached now. I will definitely, I will link your IG in the podcast notes. It's Max LaRoque, right? Yeah. Fitness. Very you know, friendly. Spell it all out. And then I will include your email in there as well if anybody wants to message you. And I just want to acknowledge you for all the things that you're doing out there for people, especially during quarantine and doing the workouts and motivational stuff on your Instagram. I love that. I want to acknowledge you for sharing your personal story, your addiction. And I think that helps people trust you and get to know you better. I, I love that. That takes a big person to actually admit to that and share it publicly on social media. So thank you for taking the time to chat with me. I love it. I love all the advice. And I think it's going to be valuable for a lot of people out there. Well, thank you again very much for having me. On that note, just in terms of the Instagram lives I'm doing daily, one thing I'm doing actually is incentivizing. So if you tune into every Facebook or Instagram live, or you follow the workout on the IGTV, if you screenshot it and send a picture of me doing it, Okay. The best attendance and the most engagement at the end of the month actually gets a free month of personal training, whether that be in person or online. Awesome. So it is a free challenge, but there's also a $400 value at the end of it. So again, obviously trying to get my name out there as much as possible. So the more reach we can have, the better. So I love that. Yes, I'll definitely share that. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, share it on your social media, and be sure to leave a review on iTunes. Follow Monica on Instagram at fit.fat.hotaf and on Twitter at fitfathotaf.